podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Sam Keir, host of Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. For the past 12 months, I've been talking to T20 star David Visa, getting his take from behind the scenes at the IPL, the 100 and the rest of the world's biggest leagues. That's the Donnelly view system deal. There's no <laughs> ways in my mind that was up. These guys don't know how to win at this stage. He had his driver pick him up in his Bentley. People start chanting your name. You kind of have to pinch yourself. Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Sport Social. Hello, I'm back again after a week off. Uh, for my exams. Unfortunately, Tom can't be joining me this week. It's his turn to have a week off. But I'm joined by Adam Petruccio, who we may just have to start calling a veteran, just like Carl. I'm not sure if he'll like it, but um, he's been on the show a couple of times now. So it's good to good to have you on, Adam. How have you been? Not too badly, Adam. I'm so happy to be on with somebody who knows that it's Yanni and not Laurel. <laughs> yeah, we'll um, be discussing a, a certain... Um, internet craze uh, during this podcast um but we've also got sam evans joining us sam how are you very good thanks leanne it's hard to think of anything apart from the champions league final but uh, i can tell you it's definitely laurel adam <laughs> <laughs> interesting <laughs> we'll see we'll see about that <laughs> uh, yeah you touched on it there sam it's, it's all about the um Champions League final at the moment, but um, we'll start off with adam's article which discusses emre chan using the the latest internet craze uh, with Yanni and Laurel. If you haven't heard it, definitely check it out on BBC News. Um, it's everywhere at the moment and it's caused absolute mayhem amongst everyone. I've heard Yanni as well, but Sam's obviously heard something different. But I'll pass over to you, Adam, <laughs> just to discuss your article. Okay. Yeah, so uh, we alluded to it in the intro, but I wrote an article comparing Emre Chen, the sort of hero hero or villain talk on social media, to the uh, Yanni versus Laurel debate. Um, seems to split the fan base 50-50. And yeah, if you've seen the post on BBC that uh, Leanne is talking about, I saw as of last night, it was like uh, they did like a poll where um, they were asking people what they heard from that uh digital sound clip whether they heard Yanni or Laurel and of 23,000 people it was almost exactly 50-50 which is kind of stunning so <laughs> I don't know how that's possible but uh, I was saying in the in the pregame here that uh, maybe that's why our ITKs are getting the names wrong and a lot of these transfer rumors but um, anyways as far as Emory Chan goes you know it just seems to be a huge debate, and uh, obviously everybody goes to the extremes, at least the people that want to talk about it on social media, as far as whether he is somebody that should be revered as he probably heads out the door, or uh, whether he is uh, somebody that we should uh, sort of be uh, sort of be kicking him out the door on his way out, I don't know. But, um, you know, either he's like a diehard Red who simply fulfilled his contract and he was never offered enough to stay and we should wish, wish him the best on his way to Juve, or he's been faking his back injury the whole time and he did it so well, in fact, that he fooled the German national team into not selecting him. <laughs> so the truth, obviously, is somewhere in between. Uh, Emery's no angel in departing the club in a way that is, is pretty risky for him and costly for Liverpool, for sure. 
And he's obviously trying to just get the most for himself and his agent in doing so. And nothing wrong with that, obviously, but it's not, uh, obviously not in the best interest of the club. And on the flip side, he's been an incredible value for money, uh, for the team over the past four years. And that's allowed us to invest in other areas, other positions on the, on the pitch. And then since, uh, we're on the brink of European glory here, uh, You'd have to say it's worked out pretty well for the team. Only, and I looked at this, and only Karius and Joe Gomez have been less expensive first-teamers for the club when you combine their weekly wages and their transfer fees and prorate it. So, so he's the third most efficient player in terms of cost that we've that we've had in the past few years, and he's been there longer than those two as well. So, you know, you'd think Karius might be getting might be in for a raise, and maybe Gomez as well. So, um, you know. We have to we have to take the win on it uh, to some extent, right? You know, I pulled up the who scored dot uh, com ratings for each of Chen's four seasons, and you know we can argue whether those are accurate or not. But I just wanted to get some kind of third party third party input on his overall performance, and he actually stayed at the exact same rating, the exact same level for his first three seasons until this year, where he had a slight uptick. But each of the four seasons got a very solid rating above seven. And, you know, so he's really been a net positive for us overall. And it's also just because he, even in his first year, when we were completely moving all around, whether it was right back or center back or in the middle of the park, um, he still performed well. And so then it's it's hard for us to say, well, we built this guy into who he is or, you know, things of that nature, right? I, you know, I don't think we have a lot to say as far as that goes. He's improved slightly, but... Um, I think it's really the club has figured out the better position to put him in versus him improving uh, so much as a player. I think he came here, he's, he performed pretty well right off the bat, really, for Brendan Rodgers. Um, you know, so I think as fans, we obviously want the absolute optimum for the club, and that would be for us to either just retain him outright or to be able to sell him on for a huge fee. But um, like I said, you just have to take the win on this. And uh, that's going to have to be good enough this time. Yeah, it's, it's very much dependent on sort of your, your views of Emery Chan and whether you think he's a player that's come in relatively on the cheap, as you said, and made somewhat of an impact. He's obviously developed a lot under Klopp. It's whether you view it as that or you view it as Liverpool letting go a player who's potentially going to be world-class for free. Um, so, Sam, I'll come to you here. Talk us through the impact then of Emery Chan leaving and you know how big a miss is he going to be for Liverpool? Yeah, personally, I think he is actually our best midfielder still at the moment. I know he's he's got his fair share of critics. You know, a lot of people uh, think he might be a bit slow to release the ball, um, maybe turns a bit slowly, he hasn't got the kind of pace, that uh, explosive kind of acceleration that some players have. Personally, I totally disagree with that. I think he's got something that no other player that we have in the midfield has. He's got a physical presence that's exceptional. Uh, he's got vision for passing. I, I just think he, he's getting better and better, and he's he's still only 24, I think. So you know he, he's someone who is still developing, um, even though he's been there for four years. So I think it's going to be a massive loss to the club. Uh, one thing I will say though is, if it was ever going to happen, I'm glad it's happening. No, with this current Liverpool side, because I've, I've got nothing but full faith in this uh, group of people who are actually recruiting players at the moment because for the last 
year and a half or so, I, we've had very few misses when it comes to recruitment. We've been bringing in some absolutely fantastic signings. Can't wait to see Navigator at the club. So, you know, if, and it does look like that is the case, that Emery Chan is going to be going, it is going to be an absolutely huge miss in my opinion. And I think it's a big shame and, and quite surprising with the timing of everything. But I, I do think that we have got the structure in place now in order to actually get players in who are of the standard we require to actually replace him and that we won't miss him too much. Um, you, know, you could argue that maybe Emery Chan isn't actually your stereotypical Klopp midfielder. Um, you know, may, maybe he'll go for someone of a slightly different style to replace him. Um, you know, a bit like Coutinho, we were losing an absolutely excellent player, but um, he might then get someone in who actually suits the team a little bit better again, and, and we end up improving yet again. So, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's a big loss, I think, if he does go, which it seems pretty nailed on. Um, but I, I've got a lot of faith in the guys now to actually replace him, and I think we'll be absolutely fine without him. Yeah, so as you say, you know, we're in a really good moment at the moment. Um, competitive, uh, consecutive top four finishes, we're in the UCL final, potential winners of it. So, you know, Adam, is this potentially, you know, are we, should we be very confident that we can secure someone of the likes of Ndidi, whether it be Neves instead, someone of that ilk to come in and to replace Samuel Chan and sort of offset the, the negative side of him leaving because, you know, he is a very good player. Uh, Sam there has just said that he's, that, it's arguably the best midfielder we've got in the club at the moment. But, you know, based on our position at the moment in the league, how we're doing in the Champions League, can we, can we be pretty confident we're going to get someone else in? I don't know if we should be or not, but I'm pretty confident about it. I mean, you're right. Just the way that the position that Liverpool are in right now is, well, the best that we've had in a decade or so. And then aside from that, just, it just happens to be that there's a lot of really talented DMs that are out on the market. Um, you know, <laughs> I could name a ton of them off, off the bat. So, I mean, you know, we've talked about them on a lot of the other pods. There's been a ton written about them recently. So, you know, whether I think Diwara maybe is the, or Neves is sort of like the leading candidates right now. So, um, I'm excited to see who Klopp picks. If they, if they didn't pick anybody and, and Chan went out the door, I'd probably be a little bit nervous. But, um, you know, it's also in terms of depth. We're in a good position because you've got Grujic coming back from loan and he's been pretty effective in his loan spell and Henderson has probably been as healthy this season as he has been in years, maybe since 13-14. And uh, Genie has shown that he can play there. So we've got a lot of options depth-wise. I don't know if they're really, if any of those are really the people that we want to start the season with in terms of the nail-down starter, but... Um, but we have options at least, and then there's, like I said, there's tons of options in, in Europe of, in terms of players that we can bring in. Hopefully, that hopefully the fact that there's a bunch of them drives down the cost, or at least gives us a lot of different options. Yeah, definitely, and sort of a, it's sort of along the same lines. But Sam, just to flip it the other side, for the players' point of view, what why is it that Emery Chan would be thinking of living, uh, leaving Liverpool in this moment? Because we're we're in a very very good position, as I've said, and a lot of fans have come out and they've said, you know. Liverpool are in the Champions League final. We've just secured top four again. That's consecutive Champions League campaigns he's going to have, and he's been an integral part of it. So it's not like 
you know, Naby Keita coming in is going to really threaten his place in the starting eleven. So, from a from the player's point of view, what is it that's you know you're looking at thinking maybe that's the reason he's going? That, that's something I've really been struggling with myself as well because, as far as I'm concerned, Naby Keita was coming in to to play alongside him very much so. So I don't think. That's something that this caused the, the problem. I'm, I'm just assuming that maybe his head's been turned because this must be something that's been in the pipeline for a good while, you know, maybe over the last year or so. And maybe Juventus have really been turning on the charm on this one. Um, you know, maybe telling him that he's going to be, they're going to be building the team around him, really romanticizing things. Uh, he's got pretty much a guaranteed league title more seasons there as well. Um, maybe his family fancy living in Italy. You know, there, there's loads of things sometimes that you might not know. Um, I don't know. It, it, it seems really bizarre because Klopp seems to love the guy. You know, he's, he's really embraced Chan from day one. Uh, you know, both German as well, which I thought might help, you know, the relationship. I, I, I find it really odd. So, uh, and especially now, as you said, as Liverpool's stock is at the highest it's been for a decade, it, it does baffle me. But so it's got to be something, you know, obviously they've enticed him with uh, a higher wage and everything that he's got now. But I'm sure Liverpool are offering him really high wages. So much so, I'd, I'd have thought we could offer him more money than Juventus. So maybe he's not feeling the, the love from Liverpool as much as Juventus, who are seemingly desperate to get him and and he seems to have just been charmed elsewhere so these these things can happen um at the top level and sometimes players you know, he's been here for four years now maybe he just fancies a change you know it it players can stagnate if they stay in one place for too long so maybe he's just someone that wants to broaden his horizons a bit try a different league uh just see if he can develop further as a player that way so you know, it's it's one of those things, unfortunately. It seems like his head's turned. Personally, I think it's a bit baffling, but it's something we, we're just going to have to take on the chin. Yeah, and it, it is all speculative. You know, we can't point out whether he's got a good, you know, someone talking in his ear or whatever. But is it a case of also we have had to turn him down because of this issue of having a buyout clause and we don't want to set a precedent that that's something that everyone's going to get because then obviously that raises... Long-term issues of players at the club. Yeah, I think that's definitely part of the calculation. You know, I think Sam's right as well in that this feels like something that maybe the player and his agent decided a year ago, and then if you go back a year ago, I mean, even now, uh, he's not. It feels like he's a nailed-on starter because he's always starting. I mean, I, I looked at you know he's, he starts seventy-five percent of the games if you look at his numbers, but that's really a lot because Henderson's always out or some, or somebody's always out and he slides into a position where, you know, when it was with Rogers, it was all over the field and with Klopp, it's been, whether he's been in the DM or the eight position, um, playing a box to box role. So maybe he feels slighted that way and that Henderson is seemingly ahead of him in the pecking order. You know, if they were ever, if they ever really both went for a stretch where both of them were 100% healthy, I guess you'd find out which one Klopp preferred over the other, but that really hasn't happened. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, in terms of the what the aspects of the contract that he's been looking for, listen, he probably was asking for that because he had this in mind that that those rumors of him wanting the out clause go back a while, and you know, so again, that supports exactly what Sam was saying, and and for in terms of the club long term, yeah, you just can't. They're clearly there's rumors of a new deal with Salah and they're not even putting an out clause in his deal from what's being reported so far. So why would they give it to Chan? It just doesn't make sense because then they're going to have everybody coming and asking for that same type of deal. And you could you know, look at the, look at the chaos that it's caused for Barcelona, even at a totally different level, but for Neymar, I mean, they had a, what they probably thought was an insane, uh, you know, never would be triggered sort of clause on Neymar's deal. And then, PSG came in and just did it, and that's like super disruptive for even a club at Barcelona's level. So I'm, I can totally see why Liverpool don't want to be taken uh, by surprise like that with, with the type of money that's out there in football. You never know what could happen. Um, and we tend to just our system tends to pump up the numbers for players. So there's always going to be clubs that are out there that are interested in our players. So it makes sense to me what they're doing, and I, I just think we're just we're just caught between a rock and a hard place and you know nobody wants to just leave well nobody wants to have a great player leave for nothing like that but uh you know if we gained 40 million by having a whatever clause that he asked for how much would we lose in the long term i i think you'd make up the difference pretty quickly yeah that that's definitely the case it's all having a, a short term hit but actually potentially a long time gain in that the likes of Mane and Firmino and uh, Salah don't come calling for a, a buyout clause and then leave us in a pretty precarious position um, but just moving away then from the, the contract itself and you know the reasons why Chan has left it, it pretty much looks like he's played his last game for the club because I don't think he's going to be back in time for the Champions League final and if he is it would be probably a place on the bench just to keep the, the current rhythm going. Um, Sam where do you lie in terms of there's very much a scale between are we grateful that you know we've had Chan for all these years and he's progressed and he's been a part of this young pop project, or are we are we disappointed that he's leaving on a free and that you know here is a potential world class player who doesn't want to or doesn't see his future at Liverpool despite the the position we find ourselves in. Personally, I'm mainly disappointed. You know, very, very grateful of having the player for the last four years. I think he's been a really good player for us and criminally underrated in some parts as well. He's been used a bit of a scapegoat in in some elements. But, you know, overall, I'm just personally disappointed that he's going. I just think we're going to be missing out on the peak years of Emery Chan. And I'm just thinking, once we get another couple of players added to this team, I think he... He really could have flourished even further. So I, I'm finding it hard to be grateful at this moment in time, just purely due to the fact that I'm, I'm gutted with, that we're losing him because I really like him as a player. And I think he's he's quite a unique type of talent. And I think his, his style of play is something that led me to believe that he might be a bit of a, of a later bloomer to hit his peak. So... I think he's going to continue to improve, and that's why I'm, I'm pretty disappointed that he, he appears, at least, to have decided to uh, to go elsewhere. You know, personally, 
I'm not someone that thinks, right, well, you've decided to go elsewhere. Don't give him a chance now in the Champions League final. If the guy is 100% fit, I, as you said, I don't think there's any chance of him starting. They wouldn't just, it's not Klopp's style, you know. He, it doesn't matter if he thinks he's, he's the best midfielder. If he's got three other midfielders available that have been playing week in, week out, they'll be in. But personally, if he is available for the final, I don't care if he's leaving. If him being in the squad increases Liverpool's chance of winning the Champions League final, even by 1%, I would definitely put him in. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty weird argument that people are saying, you know, even if he is fit, I wouldn't pick him because he didn't get us there. Well, I mean, I understand in some respects in that he hasn't played the most recent games and the midfield three have been doing very, very well. But if it's a Champions League final, you play your best players, you play the person who is the best in that position. And Emery yeah. Chan has had a very, very, very good season and it's easy to forget because he's not been there for the last couple of weeks. But you know, Adam, would you agree with that? Do you think if he is fit, um, you know, it, it seems unlikely, but would you put him in? And, and how are you feeling towards his, his, um, you know, ending his career at Liverpool? Um, you know, as in moving away in this summer? Are you grateful? Are you disappointed? Are you sort of mixed reactions? Yeah. I mean, in terms of the Champions League final, I wouldn't start him and it doesn't look like we're going to have to make that decision. I don't think, uh, I don't know, in terms of the latest stuff that I've seen, it doesn't look like he's going to be ready. But if he was, um, I would certainly want to have him be somebody off the bench. I mean, if we could ever get a lead against Madrid and needed to close the game out, I think he'd be a great person to put in there to try and control the game. Uh, you know, we just don't have a lot of people that we could bring on who would help us do that. And um, so he'd be great. He'd be great to be able to bring on a DM, move Henderson up, and then. I'd feel a lot better <laughs> if that was the case in like the 65th minute or something, you know, but, um, you know, in terms of him leaving, I feel pretty good about his time here at Liverpool overall. You know, I think, I think that he's probably had something like this in mind for a long time. I think the Italian league suits him in terms of, you know, he is a little bit ponderous in terms of how he turns and things like that. We've all talked about that at length. Um, and I think, I think Syria probably suits him a little bit better for that. He's always said that he wants to, whenever they've been able to quote him on his preference, he said that he wants to be a, a box to box midfielder. And that seems like we want to put him at six instead. And in Italy he would seem to be able to have more of that freedom. You know, all of it, there's a lot of different aspects of why he could be choosing to do this. And, you know, if you look at this, you know, whether it's Juve or Real, Barca, whatever, you know, the teams at the top level, they, they aren't retaining every single player. They have depth and some of that depth moves on, uh, from year to year and they just are powerful enough clubs that they can bring in whoever they want to replace those players. So it doesn't really harm them at the end of the day. So, you know, I just don't think, I think we're getting to that level again as well. And so we just, should trust the system as long as we can stay on. I don't expect that we're going to get every transfer right as we sort of have been for the last couple of years, but you know, if we can still stay on a clip of where we're getting two thirds of them right, we're going to be just fine. And yeah, you know, like I said, there's just, there's so much talent out there and there might be, it's certainly possible, you know, he's a player that was here when Klopp got here. Sure. They've been friendly and they seem to like each other just fine, but who knows if, 
Klopp has something else in mind that fits the Premier League style and his system better. It could be Diawara, it could be somebody else, who knows? So we'll find out in the next couple of months. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's important to note that there are a lot of replacements being being named out there for Emery Chan already. Um, we're obviously now into the summer transfer window, which brings us on to our next article in a minute. But there are, you know, a lot of names and a lot of exciting names that could fit this top system. So if Emery Chan has, his play, has played his last game for Liverpool, then there is a collective disappointment in that he's, you know, deciding to go elsewhere, particularly for free. But this is a player who has developed very, very well under Jurgen Klopp and, and looks set to have a very, very promising future. So, you know, of course we wish him all the best if he is leaving, um, unless something miraculous happens. But it's also, yeah, as I said, it's important to note that there are plenty of replacement options out there. Um, so that brings us on to the second article, which is looking at from Tom, who, as I said, can't be here, but we're going to discuss his work anyway. Um, just in relation to what Liverpool need and, and what we can expect from this summer in terms of an overhaul. Obviously, there's a lot of rumours about backroom staff. Steven Gerrard is gone and he's taken a couple of people with him. Um, Bouvach, not sure what, what's happening with that one in terms of the long-term future. So there's going to be a lot of backroom staff changes, but there is this sort of wondering whether the first team pitch is going to change too much. Um, so that's what Tom looks into. He says it's, it's very much an issue of needing quality instead of quantity. So I'd be very interested. Sam, I'll go to you first. Are you expecting Liverpool to be particularly active in this window? Very much so. Um, I think now is the time to pounce. Uh, obviously, with the Champions League final, our stock hasn't been higher. We've got Jurgen Klopp at the helm. We're playing incredibly exciting football. We've got some money burning a hole in our pockets uh, due to the Coutinho transfer. It's all lined up ready for us to spend some big bucks this summer. Um, <clears throat> so, personally, very much, as you said, I'd be expecting Liverpool to purely be targeting first-team starters Um this summer in order to then our bench would then be some starters that we have at the moment because we've, we've been spending years signing players who are kind of backups for what we've got to start uh, now's the time when we've got some money we've got the prestige that we might actually be able to sign some players who are better than what we've got at the club at the moment uh, so I'm really excited about this summer transfer window Um Keita coming in is is really really exciting. I think our midfield is something which which did need a bit of bolstering. Um, so with Chan leaving, uh, I think we need you know we, we need two really. Uh, in my I thought we needed an extra one, even with Keita coming in. So with if if Chan does leave, I personally would think we need two midfielders, um, especially with Oxley Chamberlain. It looks like a bad one with him. I'd be surprised if he gets football within the next nine months to a year. So um, him out. Lalana very unreliable with his, his injury record as well. Henderson picks up quite a few injuries. So you know we've got some numbers there, but I, I really don't think that we've got the reliability in there. So for me, two we need two really good midfielders on top of Keita and that's uh, an exciting prospect you know if we can get the right guys in a bit you know a centre back maybe to uh, to replace Lovren and Lovren becomes the the third choice centre back 
uh, and maybe one other attacking player, I think we'd be in a heck of a good position next season to actually manage to challenge on all fronts and not just having to concentrate on one competition, which seems to have been the case we've had to do over the last few years. Yeah, I would agree. And, and Adam, what do you think? How many players roughly and what are the areas? Well, I think Sam's right. I think everything revolves around the midfield and then the rest of it's sort of just frosting on top of that, right? So, and whoever we sign first in the midfield, the other guy is going to be dictated towards that. I think if Nebo Fakir, if we bring him, him in first, I think if you've got a midfield where Nabi and Fakir are playing opposite each other as the box to box midfielders, then you would need somebody who's almost strictly a, a true DM and, and the six, right? So, and Diddy or Dior or somebody like that wouldn't make a lot of sense there. You know, I don't, I don't think you'd want three sort of wild cards just to have all different scoring options in the midfield. So, so I think it would be something like that. So I'm just going to be really curious to see how Klopp puts that together. Uh, Ryan Sessegnon is somebody that I've been banging the drum for, for whatever that's worth. I think he would be huge for the club in terms of depth for the, for the front. Uh, rotating on the wings and then rotating with the left back as well with, uh, with Robertson. So, and, and he's just one of the biggest English talents out there. And I think we've seen from City's model that, uh, that that's important. It's important to add those top, uh, British talents because ultimately that's going to be a big part of the depth of the squad. And, you know, if they're not up to the level of the rest of the foreign players that are on the team, then you're going to have problems with depth at some point. Um, and I think, you know, it's city have seemed to like, people think that they've overspent on Sterling or Delph or whatever, uh, stones, you know, but, um, and maybe that's true, but at the end of the day, they've got the, the, uh, sorry, the UK listeners out there, but the like drop off to the, to their English, to the level of talent for their English players is, is slight, if not at all. So, um, so I think. That's a huge advantage for them. It's just a lot of the other clubs in the Premier League and the top six can't say that. So, um, so I think that's an advantage for them. And then, yeah, center back, uh, there's got to be, you'd think that there's got to be something there. Maybe we could get through another season with the group that we have. But yeah, I think, I think because of Gomez's injuries as well, you know, I, I kind of anticipate something that could happen where Gomez, Gomez goes out on a loan to get experience as center back because you know we know that center back might be his preferred position, but he's really never played there for Liverpool outside of like one or two spot starts or something. So, um, so he's really a fullback for us until he gets experience somewhere else. So I think he's got to go on loan as much as I would like to see the kids stick around. I think it'll have to be like him coming back in a couple of years for us. Uh, to play center back, because I think he's just, I think he's asking for injury if he continues to play full back and run up and down the flanks like that. Um, so you need, so you're gonna need more depth at center back, and that's, I'm skeptical. I wrote an article about the Yerry Mina potential loan deal signing, whatever it is. I, I'm skeptical about that for a few different reasons. Uh, he's only been in Barcelona for four months. I don't, I, I'm a little, Curious as to how they would get a work permit for him because he's only recently started playing that much in the national side as well. So all the exemptions that are out there for bringing in foreign players, I'm just not sure which box he ticks on that. 
if he plays the entire World Cup and then we like only finalize the deal after the World Cup, then maybe he would qualify. But it's complicated. So I just I'm skeptical that that's the one that's going to go through. Yes, yeah, it's, it's very interesting because our summer is going to depend a lot on you know looking to bridge the gap between us and City at the moment because people say United finish second, surely they're the closest challengers. But for me. Obviously, I'm a Liverpool fan, so I'm slightly biased. Um, but if you're looking at the way, you know, the teams in the Premier League play, a lot of people would agree that Liverpool are actually probably the closest challengers to City in terms of actually being able to, to compete with the way that they play. Because Man U, a very, very different style, very defensive under Mourinho. Um, you know, they grind out results, but, but Liverpool have to be looking to, to reduce that gap with City, um, in the summer. And that definitely comes down to, you know, minimizing the, the drop-off between the first team and the bench and below that. Um, you know, you're looking at the moment and you've got Danny Ings and Dominic Solanke, whereas Man City have Bernardo Silva. So there is a very, very big difference there. And just to, to go through some of the different areas then, um, defensively, um, I think it was, I don't know who it was now, um, maybe it was Beasley gave some stats about how Liverpool would have been top of the league or something had it been after the Spurs result. Uh, where we lost. So, you know, Van Dijk has come in. He's had a massive, massive impact in that defence. But is there still a, is there still a missing piece um, in the puzzle, Sam? Yes, uh, I definitely think, <laughs> you know, that, that there were there were clear signs of improvement before Van Dijk came. But, you know, and, and, and we've continued to improve since then as well. But, that, you know, we definitely need another centre-back as well. I, I think Lovren's improvement has been it has been very impressive. You know, he has definitely improved a lot since Van Dijk came in. But, you know, we have still seen the, these mistakes coming in, completely unforced errors that seem to put us on the back foot. And that's something that... He, I like the guy. He seems like a really nice bloke. And he really works hard for the team. And seeing him score that head the last game, it gave me a little boost. I was thinking, good for you. You know, he's had a bit of a tough time of it. And that was something I was hoping we'd see a lot more of when he first came to the club. Um, so you never know. Uh, you can't write off players. There's stranger things happen than players developing at his age now into being more and more solid. Uh, he, he is improving. Maybe he can start ironing out those really horrific individual errors that he seems to make. Uh, I wouldn't hold my breath on it. So personally, I think it's if we have the chance to upgrade, it would be absolutely mad for us not to do so. Uh, we, as you said, that's really good stat. The fact that we've uh, conceded the least in the division since that uh, Spurs match where the sky seemed to have fallen in. We'd lost 4-1. The season was over as far as a lot of us were concerned. So the, the turnaround has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, I think a lot of it is uh, to do with Robertson's excellent development. Trent has come in and just come on leaps and bounds. So that's something. They're two guys that you can only expect to get better and better next season as well. So that's a really exciting prospect. You know, their defensive ability should improve, especially Trent, you know, is a very young player. So the existing players I expect to get even better. And I also expect us to bolster the squad a bit in those positions as well. So um, it, it's, it's an exciting prospect. Um, a lot of people say Liverpool can't defend. 
I think you'll find over the last six months or so that these statistics will tell you something completely different. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, if you're looking into next season to have someone like Dejan Lovren as a third choice centre back, suddenly, you know, that's good depth at centre back, good depth in the defence overall, and a good addition to experience. Uh, moving into the midfield, you've got the likes of Fakir, you talked about just then, Adam, as well. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of players being talked about right now. So it is an exciting time, isn't it? You know, Ruben Nevers as well. Who are you most looking forward to or most wanting Liverpool to be signing this summer? There's so many names out there that would be, I think most of the fan base would be really excited about. It's more like the names that would probably not excite people that I'm hoping we can avoid. You know, I, I'm hoping that we're not, I'm hoping that the first name out of the gate is not like Jack Butland or, you know, or Maguire or somebody like that. You know, there's, there's a few players that just wouldn't really excite me. I mean, like I said, Ryan Sassignon, I think would be, Amazing for the club. Fakir would be amazing. Uh, Malcolm, another. There's, there's probably 10 different players from the French league just in midfield that I think would be, <laughs> would be incredible. Uh, and Dombele, you know, there's, there's a lot of players like that that could revive the midfield and, and some of the, some of the players that we're linked to as far as, uh, refreshing the attack or giving us like a rotation option for the attack would be, would be great as well. But yeah, my, I guess my, Top choice would be Sessegnon for sort of like an all-around player to rotate on the wings and a fullback for us. Um, and then, you know, I guess Ndombele in a perfect world, but I think he's going to PSG. And then I've heard that I think the latest thing in, in terms of center back is Lascelles from, from Newcastle. I haven't seen him a ton. He seems to be just sort of like an all-around uh, defender. and He doesn't have any, like, real standout skill, but he's their team captain at a young age, so that could be positive as well. Yeah, definitely. And just to talk quickly about outgoings, um, you know, Sam, the, the big names being linked with a move away, obviously Simon Mignolet not really um, getting any chances at Liverpool, and, you know, with, with Jack Butland being linked, with Danny Ward waiting in the wings, it's it's likely he's going to go this summer. Then you've got Emery Chan, which we've talked about. You've potentially got Alberto Moreno. Um, again, dependent on if we sign someone like Ryan Sessegnon or not. But um, maybe, you know, in Tom's defence, that's also something to factor in. There's not going to be that many outgoings from the first team. So actually, you know, is there going to be that much change at Liverpool? Potentially not. I'd like to think we can keep the bulk of the squad as it is. Um yeah, Mignolet seems like a clear one. You know, there's no benefit in keeping him at the club, to be honest with you. Uh, personally, goalkeeper-wise, I think Carius is is another clear example of Klopp putting his faith in in developing players over having to to sign the ready-made player. Um, but obviously, if we have got the prospect of signing an upgrade on Carius. Someone who is an absolutely clear, better goalkeeper than Carius, then that's something I would definitely, definitely go for. Uh, if that's something that isn't possible, I'd be more than happy for Liverpool to get maybe a veteran goalkeeper, an old head who, who's been there and done that, who, who would still be happy to sit on the bench for us. It, you know, it's a big ask, but there are some players sometimes who are winding down in their career and, and they're happy to do that. Uh, I don't know whether a, a Casillas would would 
be I don't know if he's actually good enough anymore to actually play for us as well uh, as the backup probably uh, and just to help with the development of Carius as well uh, Buffon is available maybe I don't know but uh, I think <laughs> that, I Nina, think he's uh, Nina would love that right. Oh, Nina would would be absolutely delighted. I think she'd be the happiest person in the world. But um, you know, I'd love I'd love Buffon, but I think he's he's again he's too good. He can't just come and sit on the bench. You know what I mean? He's he's someone that that you can't do that to the guy. He's he's so I'd imagine he'd have prospects elsewhere. But that's something I'd absolutely love because I just think. Uh, the knowledge of the guy, the experience, something like that could could help carry us develop even further. So that would be great. Um, but yeah, that, that's something that's clear. Moreno, there's talk of a new contract with him. You know, I don't know whether that's true. So maybe, as you said, that's dependent on who we end up going for this summer or whether we have any joy with the likes of Sessignon, but again, maybe he's someone that's that, that's more attacking player and that, that wouldn't affect Moreno's position in the squad anyway. So personally, I'm happy with a lot of players. Like, you know, Moreno can be a squad player as far as I'm concerned. I've got no problem with that. There's not many players who I want out of the club now. You know, it's they're, they're just players that I don't want to be our first choice. So that's where we need to be going, in my opinion. There's no, we've got rid of a lot of the dead wood. That's something we've done really well as a club over the last, say, three years or so. We've got rid of players on massive contracts who were not contributing whatsoever. Uh, and players that we thought maybe would be like that, like Milner, for instance, have actually started showing their worth. So I don't know whether that's something we need to give credit to the, the coaching staff and things, but every game that goes on, there's less and less players in this squad that I want to be bombed out to the club. And that's got to be a really positive thing. Yeah, definitely. And just touching quickly um, on backroom stuff, how important is it that you know we try and keep hold of as many people as we can, maybe get um, the Enders back who's been linked you know, with a return, seeing if we can keep hold of Bouvats as well. How important is that to the system, Adam? Yeah. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Tough to say, right? I mean, I think we talked last. I think I talked last week with Tom, where uh, we were talking about Bubac leaving, and you know, Klopp has pumped all these guys up, the, his staff that's around him, and he makes them all sound like they're, you know, the brightest people in football. And maybe that's the case. I'm sure he brings in good people, but I think Klopp is pretty smart too. And obviously, he's got such a great personality. You'd think that, uh, you know, if we're talking about being pretty easy or you know we're excited about the players that he's going to be able to recruit and because of his personality and the results on the field and i would think for him to bring in a coaching staff that's supremely talented it's got to be even easier right i mean you think he's got to have a, a line outside of melwood now but um you know so i mean there's names out there and yeah like lenders sure that would study the ship if you could bring him in but i'm not until i start to see problems on the pitch that we could relate back to not having the best coaching staff and I'm just not going to worry about it. I mean, even, you know, we've had so many discussions, Leanna's throughout the season, especially after the Tottenham game, you know, just different things about this, the schemes and just little tactical things about late substitutions and things like that. So even with 
this team of geniuses that he has around him, there's been things around the edges, around the fringes that we haven't liked. So, you know, as we said with the DM position, maybe shuffling the deck is something that could have a positive effect. We just won't know until we see it next year. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, um, it's definitely a case of, you know, that there's a potential for a lot of change at Liverpool, but we don't really know. We don't know, you know, what's going to happen with Bubach, and we don't know who Klopp or, you know, maybe Klopp has already identified who replaces Emery Chan in the side, who comes in if it's Akira, if it's someone else. Um, Sam, do you think it's a, it's an issue of quality rather than quantity, as Tom says, in order to bridge that gap with City? Or is it actually a case of, you know, we do need to still get quality in terms of players that can go straight into that first team and really bridge the gap in, in the divisions between starting 11 and the bench, as we said, but also needing, you know, three, four, five players to come in and add the depth as well, rather than two big big signings, but still leaving a, a pretty big gap in depth, especially when you look at, you know, long-term injuries of uh, Oxo-Chamberlain. As we said before, Lalana being pretty unreliable at this stage in his career. So is it is it quantity? Is it quality? Is it a little bit of both? I think the quality is the, the most important part for us right now. I think we've developed a really good squad but it's clear to see that it, it's really, really difficult to have a, a really good Premier League campaign when you're going deep into these European competitions. And, you know, we've seen it twice in the clock now with the Europa League and now the Champions League that Liverpool are very much suited to a European Cup run, which is the most exciting thing to have as a football fan. You know, I wouldn't change it for the world. Uh, you know, looking at Spurs now, some of their fans are bragging about coming third and having zero prospects or excitement. I I, <laughs> I don't care <laughs> about coming third, to be honest with you. We've come fourth and that's <laughs> great. So, you know, for me, it, it's something now, it's clear to see and it does, it is backed up by stats that points are dropped either side of Champions League games for many, many clubs. So that's something that Man City have managed to address this season with a few signings and they've plugged the gaps and they've fixed any sort of problems they had in the squad. So so what I think is that Liverpool probably need to sign a player in each position, as in, you know, a goalkeeper, one defender, um, probably two midfielders and an attacking talent in addition to what we've got at the moment, uh, especially with uh, a couple of departures. and But they need to be of a starting quality in order for us to be able to try and compete and make sure that we don't drop these silly points that we seem to always do after the Champions League games. The intensity of this Liverpool side, especially in the European games, is incredible. Um, and, you know, We've seen it the way we blew away Roma, the, the the sheer work rate and effort that needs to go into that, it's not something that the players can recover from in three days. So it does mean that there's going to be maybe three or four players after that match that really aren't going to be up to scratch for the following Premier League game. That's where the squad really shows its worth. And I think that's somewhere where we've really fallen short this year. Um, so for me, it's it's not a case of bringing in loads of players. We've got a really good first eleven at present, just maybe filling in a few gaps. So it's definitely quality, and maybe 
maybe four players should be about enough to do it. Yeah, and I would I would add to that that it's it's the quality, but it's the quality of the fit as well. Yeah, you know, because it's, it's going to change so much to the dynamic of the side with Naby in there, and you got to assume with Red Bull it kind of has like a free roll, and if you know, we we talked about the statistics that everybody's thrown out that you know post Spurs or or post VVD we're really the top in the league in terms of our defensive statistics. Well, that also coincides with Coutinho leaving, and he had the same sort of free roll that uh, that Navicate is going to have. So then that's where the DM, whoever we end up bringing in for that spot, is going to be super critical. And then also, you know, you just look at the three that we have in there. Now they're good players, uh, and when Ox was in there, that was a good three, but... They were not superstars, and they knew that they were, that they're not superstars, and they're willing to play whatever particular role that Klopp needs them to play tactically. Well, if you've got Naby and Fakir in there, they're just going to be doing their own thing. I'm sure. You know, that's what you that's what you pay the kind of money that you pay for those players to do. And so, you know, that's just going to put a lot of onus on Van Dyke and whoever the other center back is and whoever the just that that triangle there with the DM and the two center backs is just going to be hugely important so that's that's what I'm looking at how we develop that because I just think you know the flip side of that is I think all all these guys are going to be incredible at, at pressing so in terms of defending from the front I think we'll be even more uh dangerous but <laughs> I just think there's going to be a few crazy moments and I just hope that there's uh, a defensive midfielder that's good enough to sort of sweep up a lot of that stuff. Let's just let's just embrace the madness, Adam. Uh, let, let's get some more attacking guys. <laughs> that's what that's what Leon and Tom have been telling me the whole year. <laughs> let's just blow them away. You know, to be fair to City, that's they they've just kept the ball. You can't get near them. So the best form of defense can be attack at times and. I'm not convinced that Klopp wants a DM because he's had plenty of time now to get one in, and we we still haven't seen one. So you know, I'm I'm, I'm not expecting I'm just a specialist. To, I'm starting mate. to like I'm starting to sweat from my face. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know, mate. In a kind of in a strange way, it was kind of nice in the Gerard Houllier days when you knew you could grind out a one 0 win, but it wasn't half as fun as this, mate. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. I, I, I think um, you know it's, it's an exciting time to be a Liverpool fan at the moment. Obviously, there's there's nervousness around the final. There's nervousness around who are we going to bring in and what's going to happen with background staff and is there going to be a big shake up this summer? But you know, consecutive top four finishes. We're we're back in the Champions League. We're in the final. We're right up there with you know Europe's best again. Um, it, it's an exciting time, and I think you know people need to remember that rather than worrying about this issue of who are we going to bring in. Because Klopp has got everything right up to now. He's really has turned out as to believe, believers. So, you know, let's back him. Let's see what he does this summer. Let's see the, the way the club continues to progress. And hopefully we can, we can, um, you know, get a lot closer to City and, and, you know, do better in, in terms of domestic leagues, domestic club competitions alongside the Champions League. Um, we'll, we'll wrap up there. So I'll go to you first, Sam. Have you got any, anything you want to plug? Uh, I haven't got anything out at the moment. Um, I've been promising gags for a while, just been incredibly busy, so I haven't got any articles out there at the moment. But if you want to have a chat about Liverpool or 
uh, anything, then by all means follow me on Twitter, which is at Sambo Evans. And Adam, anything from you? Yeah, uh, I guess I guess Sam's been sneaking through, but uh, on my end, uh, Gags has been cracking the whip, so I've got a few articles out there and things that are coming this week. <laughs> I've uh, something that just got released, um, just sort of a reaction to Dave Hendricks' pod about uh, the, the La Liga additions that we could possibly be looking at. So then that article is called uh, "Our Liverpool Listos for La Liga Signings," Listos being Spanish for ready. Um, and then I've got another article that's coming out towards the weekend that is sort of digs into the stories of price gouging that are related to supporters going to Kiev and how fair that is or uh, or unfair, and then what we can expect going forward or whether it's just sort of a one-off thing because this is the first time in the decade that uh, Eastern Europe has, uh, has gotten the, the Champions League final. And then I have another one where... Um, I'm just sort of looking back at the transfer window that was after Istanbul. You know, we were talking earlier in the pod about who we can possibly attract if we win or even if we're just runners up. So I want to look back at uh, what we did the last time that we won the Champions League and, and how attractive a destination we were at that time and see how that relates to today. Yeah, I think when you're talking about uh, Kiev, the word is definitely unfair, not fair. <laughs> Um, but yeah, they, those both sound like good articles and obviously thanks to both of you for coming on. Um, I've got an article that will be out in the next few days, just little build up to the final and, you know, what it means for this Liverpool team to even be in the final and, and, you know, the ramifications if we win it, looking at how young the squad is. I emphasized it in my match review, um, of the last game of the season against Brighton, but it really is staggering just how young this team is and, and yet what they've achieved this season. Um, and, and, you know, Klopp serves a lot of credit for that. But um, thank you to all, you all for listening. Um, please keep listening every week. You know, we couldn't do this without the writers. So thank you, Sam and Alan, for coming on. And, you know, hopefully next week with a build up to the Champions League final, we'll, we'll have um, number six. Podcast Network.